Hey, Church, good morning. It's great to be with you. And I want to talk to you this morning about the kingdom of God. Why the kingdom of God? Have you ever been around a toddler or an inquisitive child and they just ask the why question like again and again? It's like you walk into a room and the kid says to you, why you got an apple? And you're like, well, I like apples. Why? Well, they delicious. They're crunchy and they're sweet and therefore I like them. Why? Well, they're good for you. Why? Well, because the nutritional value in an apple meets what your body needs. Why? Because pigs can't fly in the middle of July. I mean, you just get so frustrated. But on the other hand, you really want to encourage that kid to be asking all those why questions because that's how they grow and that's how they learn. So why the kingdom of God? <laughs> why not? <laughs> no, uh, seriously, this is just a fantastic um, uh, area. I mean, why preach in the kingdom of God? Well, maybe because Jesus thought it was really important. I mean, not just really important, but central. Why? Because the kingdom of God helps us from a theological standpoint to understand God. I mean, that's what theology is. How do we know God? How do we understand God? And Jesus was trying to teach us how we can get to know him and get to know God by talking and preaching on the kingdom of God. Well, why? Well, because it's not that obvious. I mean, Jesus realized that trying to get a handle on who God is and how we can relate to him was complicated. And so we ask the question, well, why? Well, we're going to look at the kingdom of God and we get to see what we can get out of it. And we will realize as we dig into it that there's a lot to get out of it. But let me ask you a question. Uh, as to why. What do you know about the kingdom of God? How does the kingdom of God apply to your life? Why is that relevant? How does it impact your prayer life? Uh, what did Jesus say about it? And if some of these questions seem uh, obscure or how does that relate to the kingdom of God? I say let's just dig in and look at the kingdom of God. I'd say these reasons why Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Well, firstly, do you realize that it's fundamental to understanding how we should pray? Jesus told us about the kingdom of God in the Lord's Prayer. What else might we have missed about the kingdom of God that seems so obvious? Well, how about the fact that the very first words that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of Mark, and the very last words Jesus spoke in the Gospel of Mark were on the kingdom of God. I mean, that's got to be telling you something right there. I mean, it's obviously central and important to Jesus. But if we look at the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke, the very first 
well, near almost the first thing, once Jesus dealt with the devil, the very next statement is about the kingdom of God. So that's interesting. Well, what about John the Baptist? When you think of John the Baptist, we think of John in the river, we think of things that he said, like, I'm not worthy to, uh, you know, tie or untie the sandals of Jesus. But John's first statement was about the kingdom of God. So John the Baptist made a big deal about the kingdom of God. We also know about the kingdom of God as it relates to eternity. Uh, Jesus had lots to say about that. But the other thing which is kind of more mysterious and more interesting is Jesus associated the word of God with the kingdom of God. And particularly how the word of God works in a mysterious yet very powerful way. And once we see it, we recognize it as we try and understand and wrestle with the word of God. That the word of God is alive. But for most people, it seems dead. We'll look at that. The other thing which is particularly frustrating about the, the kingdom of God is that there's no formula. And we just like to try and get our hands around things, understand how the Holy Spirit works, uh, how the power of God works, how we can use it and apply it and have regular results. And yet the kingdom of God is so helpful in saying, no, you can't do that. And yes, the power of God is real, and we should expect it and depend on it, but it's not a formula. It's not formulaic. It might also be surprising to you that one of the greatest teachings that uh, Jesus ever did, the Sermon on the Mount, starts off with the kingdom of God. So in other words, the kingdom of God is central to Jesus' teaching. It's throughout the New Testament. And yet, in many ways, we don't notice it. We just brush by it. We kind of like often miss the point. So let me just pray and ask that God will help me to help you get the point. Jesus, we just uh, pray that you would empower my preaching. Uh, Lord, you made the kingdom of God central. And I just pray that we would grasp that. But not only that, you would empower what I'm saying and, Lord, that those that are hearing this, that you want to understand it, that you'd empower them through your Holy Spirit to apply what it is that you're saying to each of us with your teaching on the kingdom of God. Well, let's jump right in. Let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is the way it reads in, the, in Matthew 6, and I'm just going to read the beginning of it, verse 9 through 13. Now, the Lord's Prayer, if you read it in any modern translation, is kind of frustrating, quite honestly, because we've memorized the old King James Version. And so, for that reason, uh, the King James Version in the Lord's Prayer often is what is remembered. So, for instance, it says this. And the opening line was, Jesus said to his disciples, this is how you should pray. Pray like this. So it's kind of a big deal to our prayer language and to how to pray. And if we're trying to connect with God through prayer, which hopefully we are, Jesus is saying, you need to get this. And he says this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yes, great King James English, but very comforting because that's the way we've learned it. Thy kingdom 
come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait. The kingdom of God, the big idea, is that Jesus is saying we want the kingdom to come on earth. And because we're praying, we're saying, God, help it to come by using us. And help us in our prayers to understand that you're in charge. And as we pray, we should be expecting the kingdom to come. And we should be expecting you to do something in us. And we should expect things to happen because of it. And our prayers should be focused around this line of thinking. Yes, you can ask for our daily bread and to forgive others. and well, Yeah, but can we stay with the central, the kingdom of God? Let's jump over to John the Baptist as he prepares the way. It says this in Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, one of the ways you know you're reading in the Gospel of Matthew is instead of the phrase kingdom of God, you see the phrase kingdom of heaven. But notice what John the Baptist says right out of the gate. Repent of your sins. Turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, what's particularly interesting about this is if you look at your footnotes, you will see there's a dilemma here because on the word near. And in the footnotes, you will see it could be translated three different ways. The kingdom is near, or the kingdom has come, or the kingdom is coming soon. Now, that is actually a pretty big deal because it helps us to understand that the dynamics of the kingdom and of God, that God is both present tense, future tense, and past tense. Moses came up with this, came against this problem when he encountered God at the burning bush. He said to God, like, who are you? What, what, are, you, what are you going to call yourself? And God says, I am. My name is I am. Yahweh. And again, this creates the dilemma because it's got a past tense, present tense, and future tense meaning to that word. And here John the Baptist is picking that exact sense up again. Well, let's look at the first thing that it teaches about the kingdom of God as we look into the Gospels. Uh, in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. And then Jesus talking. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Okay, Jesus is repeating what John said, repent of your sins, believe. But what we miss is that the tenses where it says, God has come and yet God is near. Matthew 4.17 From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
So why is this relevant? So why? Why? So why is this relevant to me? Well, if you don't know Jesus, then you ought to listen to the message of John the Baptist and Jesus. Repent of your sins and believe. It's the first step. It's the way you can encounter the love of God. It's the way that God makes sense. It's the way that we can experience God. We need to admit that God is real and that we are not perfect. And so that might be for you. That's the good news, that Jesus loves you and has a plan for you. That's the news that Jesus wants you to share. And his plan is different for each one of us. He knows you personally. But on the other hand, you might be a believer and you say, well, so what? Why? Why is this relevant to me? I'm a believer. I've repented. I do believe. Well, in Luke 9.2, it says this. Then he said to them, go out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Oh, okay. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, and then he's saying to us in the Great Commission, and also at the end of Mark, we need to do the same thing. Go out, tell others about the good news of Jesus, and heal the sick. Oh, very practical. And then we need to ask, how are we doing? How are we doing with that? So why? It's very relevant. But there's also something about the kingdom of God, which is mysterious. It's mysterious the way the Bible works, the word of God works, that understanding the kingdom of God, and Jesus explains this to us, we understand the mysterious power in the Bible, in the word of God. Jesus used two parables, both related to sowing seeds and farming. And in Mark 4.11, he says this, The kingdom of God is a secret. And Jesus taught in parables. You know, farmer scattering seed. And then he says, but I'm going to tell you the secret. And explains the parable of the seeds. And yet, even as Jesus explains it to us, we, you say, well, okay, I get it at one level, but I don't get it at another level. We like the disciples. Mark 4.20 says this, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produces a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now, all of a sudden, we ask ourselves, okay, how are we doing at inviting people to church? How are we doing at sharing the good news? Uh, have you ever been frustrated because you invite somebody to church and they say no? Or they're just disinterested? Or you want to talk to somebody about God and eh, they want to change the subject? They're not that interested in God. Uh, have you ever noticed that it's mysterious? Like sometimes the person you least expect to have any interest 
in God and spiritual matters is really interested. And then there's other times you think, if so-and-so would just become a Christian, they would be an incredible asset to the kingdom. And it's like, really? In the kingdom of God, it's mysterious. God can use all sorts of people. He doesn't need people that you think are really, really great and awesome and wonderful leaders. He can use those people and anybody else. The kingdom of God is mysterious. In Mark 4, 26, 27, Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed, scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he has no understanding of how this happens. Friends, this is part of the secret or the mystery or the tension of the kingdom of God. God is asking us, instructing us, encouraging us to go out and do the things of the kingdom. Tell people about Jesus. Invite them to get to know him. Invite them to church. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. And we say, whoa, whoa, I don't have that gifting. I, I just want to do whatever you want to do. And God said, no, this is the basics. This is like step one. Uh, do this. Then you will grow. Then you will mature. And we say, well, it's just such a mystery. I don't understand why it doesn't work when I try and why people don't respond. Therefore, it just it can't be my gift. And God is saying, no, 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 no. That's the wrong understanding. The right understanding is it's mysterious and God is in control and we don't know the outcome. But just because we don't know the outcome doesn't mean that we shouldn't be scattering seeds and planting seeds and expecting them to grow and expecting some to fall on good soil, even if the majority don't. We shouldn't get discouraged. What about an understanding of the supernatural and how the power works and the kingdom of God. Well, again, if we look at some verses here, we looked at the one in Mark where it says the kingdom of God is near. And then we look at a different verse in Matthew. It says this, But I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God. Then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. In other words, when miracles happen, it's because the kingdom of God has happened. It is present. Jesus is there. The power of the Holy Spirit is happening. The presence of God is present. And therefore, things happen. So it's not about only in the future. It's not about only in the past. It includes the past and it includes the future, but it also means right now. The kingdom of God is active. And so, again, we should take heed. Another way of looking at it is we live between two ages. We live between uh, this present age and we live hoping for eternity and to experience eternity. But with the kingdom of God, there's been this breakthrough where the future has broken into the present. And when you've received Jesus, when you know the, 
God, when the power of the Holy Spirit is in you, you become what's known as born again, meaning you are now a new person. You are now a kingdom person. You now have eternity going for you. Uh, in other words, a future event, eternity, the thing that we think is going to happen when we die, has already happened when we accept Jesus. And as a result, some of the future things, like being perfect body and 100% healing and no demonic oppression in, it, in heaven, we can experience and do experience now, presently. That's the mystery of the kingdom. But it's not something, it's, it's a formula. It's not something we can control. And it surprises us when God's power comes through. And it disappoints us, quite frankly, when we pray and nothing happens. But the solution isn't to give up praying for others and loving others and sharing the good news with others. The, 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 the mystery of the kingdom is to press on because we know that it's up to God. And it's a delight when we can partner with God and see God work uh, in us and through us. So when Jesus died on the cross, it was like eternity was breaking into the present. This future event, the resurrection of the dead, when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, is something we hope for. And we can have you know, confident hope because Jesus rose from the dead and we believe in Jesus and he told us we'll raise, rise from the dead. This end time event is happening with Jesus when he broke in. Let me just uh, finish it this way. With I said the Gospel of Mark started with the kingdom of God, Jesus preaching on the kingdom of God, and it ended with Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God. And the instructions Jesus gives us at the end of the Gospel of Mark are pretty powerful, uh, maybe overwhelming, or Maybe we just have to really be dependent on God and the excitement of the kingdom of God. So let me read this to you. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 onwards. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now this command is to you and to me. Preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. No qualifications. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink poison anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Wow. The kingdom of God. Now, I'm not like a real big fan of trying to handle snakes and testing God with drinking poison, but I am a big fan of telling people about the good news and praying for people to be healed and expecting demonic oppression to be lifted in the power of Jesus seeing addictions broken. So, friends, the kingdom of God. It's really a wonderful topic. It's a great theology. It's practical theology. And that's why I wanted to preach on the kingdom of God. Bless you.